is find someone who you admire if you can and have that person be a guide for you Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Matt May, and as a quick introduction to Matt, so Matt went to uh, college for theater and arts administration, uh, went uh, went to school in New York and uh, did some theater jobs. I think he uh, did a touring manager for Broadway Musical and directed a uh, theater camp and worked at a talent agency and did a temp job at American Express Bank. Um, and then after all that, decided to move down to Florida and uh, went uh, worked at a, a performing arts, did some work at uh, Broadway across America, I think, uh, worked as a teacher in a couple different positions and went back and got a graduate degree, bartended. And uh, while I was bartending, got asked to do a uh, staffing or help with a, or doing a staffing event for a bit of time. And then de- from there, decided to start his own business. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Matt. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Absolutely. So I just gave a, a quick run through to a, a much longer journey. So why don't you take us back in time a bit to when you were uh, when you were in college and you were uh, studying for theater and arts administration? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I went to school uh, in Western New York, and I, I did. I was part of theater and music in high school, and it just seemed like the next logical step. So I started out with the BFA musical theater program for two years after my sophomore year dropped it because I realized I didn't really want to be an actor. So I, I got a general theater degree and picked up the arts administration degree. And that really gave me a foundation for everything that was to follow. Um, and now and for the past uh, 10, 11 years, I've really been focusing heavily on the team building industry. And it has allowed me to utilize all of my skills, whether I'm, whether I'm uh, quote unquote on stage facilitating and hosting an event or producing it, selling it early on, developing it and creating it. So it, it's kind of, it took me a while to get here, but it kind of was always going to be the end goal. I just didn't know it. So no, and that and that's great. Now you just stepped over. Basically, you gave the very you gave the bookends of your journey of hey, I went to school and now I'm here. So let's uh, jump back. So you come out of college and so, you're um you you got the you got the degree and you're working in New York and doing a, a variety of theater jobs. So what, kind of after you graduate, what was the first job and kind of how did you get started? Well, you know, I I, I knew I wanted to go to New York. It was it was even though I wasn't going to be an actor, I knew I wanted to be in the biz there. Um, Fortunately, while I was in, in college, some former students came back, I guess, alumni, duh, and uh, they did a program for us, and I immediately befriended one of them, and that summer, I stayed on his couch for six weeks doing uh, an internship at a theater company, uh, mm-hmm. Second Stage Theater in New York, and then the following summer, he, he said, yeah, come back, come back, and I did another six or seven weeks uh, as an intern at the Gage Group Talent Agency. So I was able to get uh, a sampling of it. And then my when I moved to New York, it was June of, oh, well, yeah, a long time ago. And uh, I, I got my first job was in a talent agency. And because I had 
the degree and because I don't doubt for a second that it was because I had the internships to back up. I had a little bit of real world experience uh, as a 22 year old coming in. So did that. And then my boss, who was a fantastic agent uh, and, and was a mentor, even though I didn't realize it at the time, um, had twins and left. And so I was assigned to another desk and I, it wasn't the same. And it's not that it was bad. It just wasn't the same experience I was having. And I kind of fell out of love with the, with the job and what I was doing. And I said, you know what, I should be an, I, sh I want to be an actor. I should give it a try. Okay. So I got headshots and went on one audition and I said, okay, I did it. I, this is not what I want to do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I laugh about it at the time. I, I guess I was at the time. I really didn't put a lot of stock into it because it wasn't really what I wanted to do or should be doing. And I think I knew that. So um, at the, then I, I had a temp job, theater jobs, unless you're in with a, um, an office, if you know, they're, they're temp jobs really is what they are uh, until the show closes and you move on to the next one. So I did a lot of temping in New York, which was great because I learned a lot of different business skills, everything from American Express Bank to Citibank to a law office. I really got a lot of different. Um, now, with those temp I, jobs, was it really just, uh, was that the desire you wanted to just kind of jump from job to job? Or is that, hey, this is a means to an end while I'm figuring out what I'm going to be doing as far as theater and getting a gig, I'll do these temporary jobs. So kind of what was the, the jump or jumping between each of them? What was the end goal? It was definitely the latter. It was to pay the bills. <laughs> it really was. Um, so after I, after I left the talent agency, I bartended at a restaurant in Times Square. It was a big theater restaurant that I loved, but they closed for two weeks to do renovations. Well, two weeks ended up being several months. And in the meantime, I needed to make money. So I had business skills so I could get temp jobs other than, you know, waiting tables. And I did that. And I started out for supposed to be again, two week job or something at American Express Bank. And I was there for, I think, 13 or 14 months. And I, I've always had a passion for Florida, uh, especially living up in the cold. And I love New York City, don't get me wrong. And I'm glad that I did my my youth there, my well, youth, young adult life there. But it got to a point where I said, oh, I really like Florida. So I literally packed up and went on vacation and said, I like it here. So I didn't pack up. I went on vacation and said, oh, I really like it here. Went back, got a sublet and drove somebody else's car. You know, when you can can drive an old lady's snowbird's car down. That's literally what I did. And then unfortunately I had a very difficult time finding a job mm. uh, in any field. I, I'm guessing it's because it wasn't season and whatever. And, and I kind of, to be honest with you, kind of wanted to be the beach bum bartender life. I really did, um, had a hard time. So then it was like, okay, well, I need to find some money. So I started throwing things out there. And ultimately I was hired to be the tour manager for a five month tour, I think of Crazy For You, the musical back in 2001. So my stay in, in Florida, I was in Miami Beach, was very short-lived. Um, but I went out on tour, and then I went back to New York after that and, and did, I'm trying to think. I guess that was, I did just attempt throughout the summer. I went to Florida again in August for vacation, and the pole was back. And so I said, ah, uh, the restaurant where I had, I had gotten finally a bartending job 
the first time at a, at a hotel, a boutique hotel. And they said, well, we need a restaurant manager. You want to come down and work with us? Sure. I got nothing. Why not winter in Florida? Well, I packed up again, sublet my apartment in New York, drove down and started September 10th, 2001. So now that was, was that kind of, again, just a, hey, means to an end, I'll go get some money as I'm trying to figure out, you know, the tenting yes. or the theater and, and whatnot, or just, hey, this is a fun or exciting opportunity. We'll go do that for a period of time. It was, and it was, you know, winter in Florida, why not? And I figured, yeah, well, I'll do it for the season and we'll see what happens after that. Cause I was kind of trying to figure out what I really, you know, where I wanted to land and whatnot geographically, as well as career wise. So uh, like I one said, question between that, because I think it was before that, maybe after or during it, I can't remember which, is you also went back and uh, went to graduate school and got an additional degree. Is that right? Grad school wasn't until several years later. So this right. is still, this was 2001. And then obviously the world changed hmm. um, the next day, uh, September 11th. And the tourism industry, you know, went to down the toilet. And me, I was like, oh, I'm a New Yorker. I have to go back and be a New Yorker. New York, I need to save New York. Well, New York didn't need saving by me. I was one of the last people that was going to do anything. But I went back with my New York pride. And then, again, it always happens late in the summer. So then the summer, the following summer, I said, all right, I really am done. I really want to be able to have my coffee outside, whether it's January or June. I'm going back for good. I'm going to get rid of my apartment. But it took me a year to find a quote unquote big boy job, right? <laughs> so I did. That was um, with New World School of the Arts in Miami. And so the following summer, now I'm into 2003, I moved to Florida for good. And right, I did. So now you said, okay, I, I toyed around with it. New York, Florida, New York, Florida. New, or Florida sounds like it's a whole lot better weather most of the time. So you go to Florida for good. You move down there and, and you find, you know, you, as you said, your big boy job. So then kind of where did the, the journey go from there? From there, I, um, I, I was in a, uh, the assistant to the dean of theater, and I was the associate producer for productions, which I, I really enjoyed, but it, it, th- there was not any growth opportunity. Mm. So um, I, I reached out, and, and ultimately after that, I was the director of education for Florida Theatrical Association, which is the nonprofit partner of Broadway Across America. In the time, it was, I think, five or six different cities around the state. Now it's only, uh, I think, two or three. Uh, so I did a year and that I love because it was, I was working in education in Florida, dealing with Broadway tours. It was the best of all worlds for me. Um, unfortunately, there was some administrative turmoil that ultimately led me, it kept me there for only a year. And I ended up teaching for two years after that at a private school. And it was during the second year that I was teaching drama at, a, at this private school that I went back and got my master's degree. Hmm. Now, is a master's degree because you're wanting to stay or be more qualified to do education? Or what was kind of the motivation to get the master's degree? I, well, it's a great question. Initially, it was to, to get a raise if I continued to teach um, and have that. And the, the program that I got, I got my degree in interdisciplinary arts. And it's what do you think it is? It's a combination of business and grants and and quantum physics mixed with the arts and art therapy and film therapy. So it's every you know it's very across the board a big mixture. And and I the program unfortunately no longer exists where I earned my degree from. And 
during it, I was frustrated because I was busting my butt and I did it in a year. I also waited tables during it, uh, mm -hmm. but I did it in a year and I was busting my butt and I was frustrated because I was putting everything into it. And a lot of, and I got irritated that other colleagues of mine were not, and they were getting C's and D, earning C's and D's, but we're still going to wind up with the same piece of paper. And it just frustrated me. And so I don't remember who it was, but somebody said, hold on, let's put some perspective here. You're getting out of it what you're putting into it. Mm. So are they. So while the impetus originally was to get some more training and have another credential to hopefully make more money, ultimately, mm. the organic answer to your question is, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was for me. And I did get a lot out of it to this day. And I actually still have a number of the materials. There's a book that I used that I just loaned to somebody else. And this is 12 years later. Mm. So it stuck with me. Um, yeah. So now, so you go get the degree and say, okay, it started out as I just a way to get a pay raise. And the end you're saying, hey, I'll get out of it what I put into it. Let's put more into it and get more out of it. And so you come out with the degree. Um, and then I think after that was after you went to bartending or kind of what was the, after you got the degree, where did oh, you go to next? Funny, I was, I, I had, I was in negotiations to go out on a tour, another theatrical tour and while that happened, I was asked if I wanted to stage manage this uh, dinner theater show that in a private, uh, in a small space and was moving into the major performing arts center to be a partner with them. And I said no, because I thought I was going out on this tour. Well, those negotiations fell apart because I said no to a number of things. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. By the time I went back to the, the dinner theater producers, um, they had hired somebody else, but they said, we need a bartender here, call the art center. So I was bartending there. And then it was this funny enough, the stage manager who I don't want to say beat me for the job, but took the job because I didn't pursue it early on because I thought I was or I was pursuing something else. She was doing some staffing for a team building program at, that fall and asking a number of the people, cast members in the show, if they wanted to do it and ask me, I said, sure, I'll do it. And that's kind of literally how I fell in team building per se. Now, my theatrical experiences, like I said, everything from being on stage to producing, as well as I also did a lot of leadership training in college. So um, I took some psychology courses. So it was there. I just wasn't necessarily working for a team building company. I was doing a lot of the things that are now in my career as a team building facilitator, just not specifically for that. So I, I was building the skill set all along. I just didn't realize it. Hmm. No, and I think that definitely makes sense. So now you're going about, you're doing that, you're, you know, you're getting into the team building and are you getting into that? And one time is you're, I think as you're getting offered to, you know, do a staffing event for a team building event and doing that, there was kind of the genesis for doing your own business. Well, uh, yes. So after I started, uh, after I did this one event, I went up to the facilitator and gave him my card, said, let's stay in touch, whatever great, turned around, started walking away. And he said, wait, hold on, actually, hold on. I got something in, in two weeks. Let's uh, come over here. Let's talk about it. So I, <clears throat> excuse me, I kind of got in with him there. And then I was doing assistant work while I was still bartending. And I said, hmm, so I, I really like this. So I continued to build my skills. And then I started training to be a, 
a lead facilitator, if you will, running the mm-hmm. program. And again, it wasn't necessarily the training of, because I had already gotten all, or already built up all these skills. It was just, how do you want me to put them together for you for this program of yours type thing? So, um, and, and I freelanced for many, many, well, seven years, I think. And then mm-hmm. finally I said, hmm, I don't really love being on the front lines fixing things that I think should have been handled differently leading up to this. Not all the time, but sometimes. And I said, hmm, I think I can do this myself. So I decided to form my own company. And, and I'm glad I did. And I'm staying boutique because mm-hmm. one thing that I really like is that if somebody hires me, the most they're ever going to be is one removed from me. So I'm going to generate the contract 99 times out of 100. I'm going to be the salesperson 99 times out of 100. Now, that's not to say that your facilitator on site won't be somebody else because I can only be in so many places at once. And that would be one place, <laughs> right? But sure. with, my, with me, one of my company philosophies was you're not going to reach out and um, have a salesperson. And then you're not going to be passed off to a contract administrator and then a production logistic person. And then if there's a charity component, a charity person, and then somebody different on site, and then a wrap, you know, it's like, who's my contact? You don't know. So now it works for some companies. For me, it's not my thing. I found it to be challenging for clients because they don't know who to call. Hmm. So now with that, you know, so now you, you've said, okay, I'm going to do it, do it, do it my way. I'm going to stay boutique. I'm going to be the, you know, provide the better service by not having people pass off so much. And you, you kind of have that as the, where you're headed or what you're going to be doing now, as you're doing that and building it, did it go well? Did you just start to, you know, start to build, build up clientele and get a lot of things going or was it kind of rocky or ups and downs? Did you keep doing temp jobs as you got the business going or kind of now as you started to get into that, how did that roll out? Uh, Well, that's a good question. I intentionally and, and for legal reasons did not go after clients by using any past experience, any cold outreach I did to somebody who happened to be, well, here's the other thing though. When I was facilitating, I don't know who the actual client was. The client was 90, well, 80% of the time it's somebody in sales, right? If you're talking about an event company or whatever, there's a salesperson who you're dealing with to get the sale, but then I'm dealing with a production and logistics person. So it's not like I was, I knew who the salespeople were to go after. It was a lot of long, long 16-hour days, a lot of research. I joined an industry um, network, well, I guess network organization, and was able to do a lot of research of who's who around the country and create a database. It was a lot of learning because uh, learning social media, which I still stink at, and I know that, and I can't stand it. I'm old. I'm old school. I get it, but it's a necessary evil, and I get that. But I didn't have $5,000 a month to spend on Google ads. So I had to do a lot of guerrilla marketing and direct outreach and cold calls and whatnot. And there were ups and downs and things really started to be seeming to be going well. And then the pandemic hit and I went, okay, well, what am I going to do next? Because face-to-face team building is done. Well, early on in that, very early, I started getting requests for virtual experiences. So I dealt, uh, worked, not dealt with, that's terrible. I collaborated with a number of my creative colleagues and we created a number of virtual experiences that we've been able to refine. We spent a lot of, you know, we 
beta tested them and tweaked them and refined them and continued to refine them as they built. Now we have a nice catalog of virtual too. One thing I didn't do though, is mm. I said, I'm not gonna spend 50 grand on an app that somebody has to download. Why? Well, first of all, people are not as computer literate as we might think today. I'm generalizing, I get it. I I'm generalizing here. Um, also, we learned very early on and it makes sense. IT departments said, you have a company laptop at home. You are not downloading anything. Don't even think about it. Mm. Oh, right. So, so we really just use uh, two different web-based platforms that we are able to control for the most part. So people don't even have to figure out what tab they're supposed to be on for the most part. I mean, if, if there's more than one, there's two max and we're able to manipulate. So they are seeing what we want them to see. The, and our niche is really interactive, talent-hosted, experiences not playing a video game hmm. no i think that uh, definitely makes sense so so now that you've kind of figured that out you say okay you know here's where we're at here's what we're doing here's kind of our focus and our niche and here's how we're going to grow it sounds like you know it took a bit of time to kind of ramp that up figure out you know bring on new clientele get people you know people that were going to be on board and now as you kind of reached a, a bit to where you're at as far as the present now looking at kind of at the next six to 12 months, kind of where do you see things heading? You know, you've got the, whether it's a pandemic and shift in the marketplace and how events are going and how you're doing staffing and everything else seems to continue to be a bit fluid. So kind of where do you guys see, or where do you see things headed for you in the next, uh, you know, six to 12 months? Uh, the, the, the full, fully candid, honest answer is price increase. Um, and, and just really accepted that last week after debating it for a while, because our costs are going up. You mentioned it, talent. Believe it or not, we have one thing that we do is we make sure all of our staff are vaccinated just because so many events in are now saying proof of vaccination or a negative test. Well, I'm not going to hire somebody and plan on having them be able to work for me only to say, okay, so I took my COVID test and it's positive. <laughs> well, now I'm up a, a, you know, up a creek without a paddle. So unfortunately, we are going to have to increase our prices because inflation is happening. Shipping services have gone up. The ability to get product with the materials that we use, like any industry, is a challenge. So we're definitely going to be facing the challenges that everyone else is facing in a variety of interest, uh, industries, whether it be materials or labor or um, um, shipping or all of the above. So. I do think it's going to be a challenge, but I'm just thrilled that the face-to-face -face event world is, is bouncing back. And it is, fortunately. So no, no, and I think that definitely makes sense. And I think everybody's kind of looking at inflation, increase of costs, and kind of now how you're going to navigate that and how you're going to navigate COVID and you're going to do the vaccines and everything else. And so it's, it's definitely a bit of a, a fluid dynamic and it makes it probably even all the harder to see what's the next six to 12 months, but you have to still look forward to the future and see how you can continue to make things prosperous. So I think that sounds like a great plan. So with that, so now as we kind of reach towards the end of the podcast, I always wrap up with uh, two questions. So we'll go ahead and jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what did you learn from it? it it's hard to pinpoint the worst. Uh, and I don't want to sound negative, like, oh, there's been so many. I can't pick just one. But I, since you are in uh, IP law, this just happened to me last week. Well, the, the end result was last week. And, and this is, 
I have a, I had a client who was a middle person and then there was another client and the, that client was asking my client for detail, 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 and I had yet to have a signed contract. And there was plenty of information to make a valuable decision on purchasing the experience from the proposal that was originally started in May. And now, well, as of this recording, it's early November, right? Do the math, even if you have to count down your hands. It's a long time. And right. three weeks before, I'm being told we have to give details. And I said, no, that's proprietary. Well, to make a very long story short, I gave in, which I will never do again. <laughs> and my client and or her client somewhere, I'm still figuring out where, who did what, ended up going with one of my proposed experiences and hiring another company three weeks before mm -hmm. the event. So what did I learn? Stick to my guns, even if it means, I'm sorry you're upset, I'm sorry you feel you need to go with somebody else, but my the, the accolades that I have from past clients and the short video montage and the photos and the descriptions, that should be enough for you to see that this is a valuable experience. No, and I think that, you know, that's one where I think everybody makes, a lot of people make the mistake. You have a rule and you have the, you say, okay, I'm going to stick to the rule. And inevitably you make that one exception to the rule and say, well, you know, there's here, you know, this, that, and the other, here are the reasons. And I've done it as well. And I, I done, I've done it with clients as well. And I says, well, you know, we won't, I, here's my rule. I'll never make an exception. And then, you know, they give you the sob story, the excuses, or, you know, probably at some points, legitimate reasons. And you say, okay, I'll make the exception just this one time. And there's always that one exception that ends up coming around and biting you because you, and you learn, okay, I've tried to make the exception, tried to be the nice guy once, and it, you know, just doesn't work out. And then it reinforces why you have the rule and why you won't break it. So I think that that is definitely a mistake that everybody makes at some point because you want to, you, you feel for them or you, you understand the reason why it's the exception. And on the other hand, it just oh, inevitably leads to, hey, I shouldn't make the exception because there's a reason there's the, the rule. So I think that that's a, a great thing to reinforce. Second question I always ask is, if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what'd be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, oh, again, only one. <laughs> <laughs> a piece of advice you'd give them. A piece of advice is find someone who you admire, if you can, and have that person be a guide for you. Now, I, 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 your podcast is great. I, I've just gotten into podcasts in the past year. Another one that I listened to is Jordan Harbinger. And he just had, I just heard, so it's interesting, this is in my head now, just this past week, talked about mentorships. And you can't really go and say, hey, can I have five hours a week? Will you be my mentor? And I'll be in. So finding that person is tough, but um, at least find someone that you trust, probably who who is in or out of the same industry as you, that you can run ideas by. Because if you're a sole proprietor, it gets tough. You can only ask the same question in the mirror four times. And then you're like, no, I really need to run this by somebody else. So I have a number of friends that are friends, personal, some of them who are in and some of them who are out of the industry where I have no problem picking up the phone and saying, what do you think? And the caveat to that is always be grateful. Mm -hmm. A handwritten thank you note goes a long way. 
No, and I think that that I think all of those, you know, finding a mentor definitely can be impactful. And to your point, you have to find you can't take advantage advantage of the mentor. It can't be, hey, I'm going to want you to donate 20 hours of your time every week to help me build this business. I'm not going to pay anything for it, and you're not going to get any compensation. It's not really going to make any sense for you to do this, but give it to me anyway, just because I asked for it. And so they're going to say, well. Probably not. But I think if you can find someone that you trust that you know you can bounce ideas off with, whether it's inside or outside the company, and make sure it's worthwhile or beneficial to them and make sure that it's a, a fair relationship is definitely something that helps you to grow as you're expanding your business because it's you know it's always hard when you're on your own and you're you don't you know you don't have a sounding board or someone to give you that feedback to gauge sometimes whether you're making a good idea, a bad bad idea, a good decision, bad decision. So I think that's a great piece of advice. Well, as people as we wrap up, if people want to reach out to you, they want to uh, be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? The easiest way is uh, the website, which is premierteambuilding.com. Of course, social media, Facebook and Instagram are Premier Team Building. Twitter is Premier Team BLD. And then the good old LinkedIn, which I, I... I'm using more and more these days. I Somebody said to me a couple of years ago, do people still use that? Yeah, they do. It's a really great networking tool. But the easiest way is premierteambuilding.com. And there is a contact form there. And I'm very good about getting in touch with people right away. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out to you, contact you, find out more, hire you, use you, be an employee of yours or any or all of the above. If nothing else, have, make a new best friend. So well, thank you again. That's uh, definitely it's been a fun. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Um, so just uh, go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. A couple more things as a listener. Make sure to subscribe, make sure to share, and make sure to leave us a review so everybody can find out about our awesome episodes and we can make sure to share more journeys. And last but not least, if you ever need help or help with your patents or trademarks or anything else, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast and uh, wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks.